0: What's happening, people? And what you know good? We'd like to thank you for listening and spending your time with us. This is Pulling Back the Curtain podcast, the most provocative, the most exciting, the baddest, baddest podcast in the land. We come with the dopest topics, hitting with the rawest opinion while giving you the straight up facts. No fake news here. I'm Jules. Oppressed. We give sight to the blind, ladies and gentlemen.
2: Alexa, what is the baddest podcast
0: in the land? Here's Pulling Back the Curtain podcast registered from Amazon Music playing the latest episode
1: this podcast is sponsored by sumato coffee sumato coffee believes that coffee should be unique and high quality from bean to cup and that coffee is best two to 14 days after it's been roasted beyond that it starts to become stale at sumato coffee they're incredibly concerned and transparent about when your coffee is roasted that's why they put the roast date right on the back Pulling Back the Curtain podcast listeners receive a 20% discount off their order by using promo code BALLERSCOFFEE. To learn more about Sumato Coffee, please visit them at sumatocoffee.com. That's S-U-M-A-T-O-C-O-F-F-E-E dot com.
0: What's happening, people? And what you know good? We'd like to thank you for listening and spending your time with us. This is Pulling Back the Curtain podcast, the most provocative, the most exciting, the baddest baddest podcast in the land we're hitting you with the dopest topics coming with the rawest opinion why give me the straight up facts yep no fake news here i'm jules i'm prez we're giving sight to the blind ladies and gentlemen on this episode we are joined by arielle bannister owner of fanny's beats and we pull back the curtain on her goal to promote healthy living in the chicagoland area and much much more prez was popping baby man jules it's your world brother how you doing over there man I'm winning, man. Everything's good. Everything's good, man. Just same old, same old. Just working and leaving and working is almost like ground all day. I don't know. (laughs) Vicious cycle and shit. (laughs) Yeah, man. (laughs) Yeah, but, man, I'm winning, man. How about yourself? You know, can't
1: complain. This week at work was tough. Obviously, still appreciative that I have a job. But, man, I wanted to announce something to our listeners, man. One of my really, really good friends, man, known him since I was, like, fucking eight years old. Uh, him and his wife just had their uh, their first child. They had a little baby girl. Oh, she was born at 8.22 this morning, actually. Nice. Congrats. Little Mia, we welcomed her into the world today. So it's very fitting here for Women's History Month that uh, she was born in the month of March. Nice, man. Congratulations to you, God. And luckily for Mia, she looks like her mom and not Jamar, so.
0: <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh, J- Jamar, you had to get ready, man. Man, right? Sheesh. You have to get ready. They're going to be coming at him, man. So, <laughs> hey, Jamar, if you need some help, man, call us. Get your boys up, man. We got you. That's right. We'd be in there like Will and Martin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right.
1: <laughs> Other than that, man, everything's good. Like, like you said, man, just keeping it moving over here, man. Every day, man, is just another day for us to get back to normal as much as possible. Just hopeful that uh, people are doing well out here and that they see a light at the end of the tunnel, Jules. So man, let's hit up these mailbag questions here, man, before we uh get into our uh get into the to the guest segment. So okay, what we got today? <laughs> all right.
0: First question was what are your pet peeves? Oh man, that's a pretty simple one, man. I hate ugly people. <laughs> not ugly, not ugly like physical attraction or like that. I just don't like ugly people from the inside who just mean and nasty and sedity and people who think they just better than somebody else. I can't stand that. You get a lot of that
1: out here, man. You get some people they think, man, they think this shit don't stink. You know, I'm like, come on now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that
0: shit ain't potpourri. What we're talking about. Right. <laughs> right. So yeah, So that yeah, that's a good question, man. Yeah, that's my that's my biggest pet peeve there. I'm a gift too, if if the okay. audience don't mind. The first one, I don't like when you let
1: a car go in front of you, like when you're driving, and they don't wave back to thank you. I always no. like <laughs> I always like look and wait. I'm like, this motherfucker better wave. Oh, he ain't wave. All right, bet. <laughs> damn.
0: Ungrateful, man. Just I'm Ungrateful. Grateful.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that stuff, man. I don't
0: yeah, like I got you. Yeah, I hear you. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, you letting somebody through, especially if it's traffic, big traffic, and they're trying to cut over you. like, all right, man, come on in. And yep. then they'll give you no wave. Oh, man, you're like, damn, I shouldn't have never up your ass in there. Right. Like, what <laughs> we doing? So that one, and then I'm about to sound like a real old man on this
1: one. I don't like when people don't silence their phone in public. I don't want to hear your damn phone going off. I don't want to hear you having Snapchat and FaceTime conversations mm. in public. Bro, put some head mm. earbuds in and shut your ass up. Don't like that. Don't <laughs> yeah. like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I feel you. Because, yeah, you get a lot of people, you, let's say you're in a restaurant or a store or something like that. I mean, they coming in, talking. They yeah, their FaceTime, and everybody hearing their, conversa- their conversation, and you're like, privacy? I mean, don't nobody want to hear your your stories? or And then don't let them be ignorant about it. They just cursing the storm or they talking, you know, nasty and stuff like that. You're like, come on, there's people here, kids, older women, and, you know, older men and stuff. So it's like, man, kind of, kind of check that.
1: So yeah, I feel you, Chris. Yeah. So yeah, those are my pet peeves, man. And I don't care if the audience say I sound like an old man on that. I just, certain things I just, I, I don't get with, man. And, that, and that's, that's one
0: of them. So sorry. Hey, man. Sorry, I'm, but not sorry. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. If that make you old, man, hey, you old man, because I'm old, man with you. <laughs> <laughs> man,
1: that's all good with me. All right, so our next mailbag question came in from one of our listeners. And she said that she's going to be visiting the Chicagoland area in April. And she said, guys, okay. what
0: restaurant do you recommend? You know what? When you get here, check out that Shaw's Crab House. Shaw's Crab House is located on Hubbard Street. It's specialized in seafood. But when I went there, my wife and I we went there on the anniversary. And uh, we ended up—I ended up getting this, this New York strip. Good. Now, it's a little pricey now. So mm-hmm. bring some money. Okay. We're pricey. You get you know, always get to call and reserve the table and stuff, but it is nice now. Food is excellent. I like Charles. That's that's a good little spot. My restaurant recommendation is a little
1: bit more chill and laid back. So it's a spot at Wicker Park called the uh, Peace Pizza. So this is a spot. And the reason why I recommended this one is I would love for the pulling back the curtain podcast to one day do a live remote show at this spot when we can all come outside again. But this place has really good pizza. The space is huge. Pizza's great. Pizza and beer. I mean, you can't go wrong with that, right? So, uh, New Haven-style pizza. For anybody that's into that like style from the East Coast, pizza is the spot. All right. The last mailbag question was, what is your favorite TV show of all time? Man, Man, that
0: was rough. That was rough. But what came to mind quick was The Cosby Show. The Cosby Show, you know what I'm saying? Like, we talked about it before in the previous episode. It ran for eight seasons co-created, produced by, you know, Bill Cosby. I mean, it was monumental for Blacks, man. That right there, man, is just funny. I know people watched it, but for what generation what that's coming up that, re- that really haven't seen it, go back and check it out. If they have reruns, or I know you can probably go on some of these, these little programs where you can, where you watch it and stuff. But man, it is, it is funny, man. That's my, that's my show right there. I would say
1: this. I don't know anywhere that's probably airing the Cosby Show anymore.
0: Because um, <laughs> you might have to go on YouTube or some shit. <laughs> okay, so you got to go YouTube. Oh, man. Hey, but, sorry, people.
1: <laughs> but but to Jules' point, I mean, the Cosby Show, that was a pillar of, you know, the show that we watched when we was coming up as kids, you know, saw African-Americans in a positive light. You know, you had the wife that was the lawyer, the, the father that was the the doctor, the kids are going off to college like shit was dope. Mm-hmm. And then he even spun off with a different world. Right. Showing that next evolution right. of the black family. Right. So, no, I, I agree with that 100 percent, my man. Mine was The Wire. Man, I'm telling you, Jules, I've watched this show probably all five seasons, probably about 12 times, maybe even be more than mm-hmm. that. Wow, I love this damn show. For anyone that doesn't know, this show basically took place in Baltimore, Maryland. Now, they've had a really good cast of the show, but instead of making the characters the star of the show, they make the city of Baltimore like the show. Basically, that's like the star of the show. So what they do is, is they show the relationship to law enforcement in each season with basically different themes that are going on. So one season, it was the drug trade. Another season, it was their seaport system and how those guys were like smuggling goods in and out of the ports, right? Then okay. you had another season where it was like the city government. Then you had another season where it was about education and the school system. And then finally, print media and how that basically works. So they hit on so many key topics and things that were going on in the world. And the reason why I really like the show is the show creators. These guys were mm. former police detective and public school teachers. So they knew the system inside out. So that was mm. one of the things why I liked about the show. And not to mention that Michael K. Williams, Michael B. Jordan, and Idris Elba all got their start on Idris. The Wire. Mm-hmm. So you got to think about the star power that was on that show, and that's where these guys kind of got their first
0: break. So The Wire is my favorite TV show of all time. Man, nice. That's a good one, man. You know what, Press? I know you know this before. I haven't seen all of the season. I've seen bits and pieces. So, dude, that's one of the ones I got to you know, binge watch and, and get caught up on now.
1: Yeah, man, I I would highly recommend it, bro. And my my favorite season outside of season one, because season one is dope. But I really enjoyed season three. I don't know which seasons you've seen, but season one is probably the favorite. But season three is is dope as hell, too. So check it out, man. Yes, sir. Listeners, we appreciate these mailbag questions. Keep them firing in. Sometimes it's kind of hard for us to keep up with them, because when we get our set of three that we're going to use on the show, then we get about five or six more. So I know some people are probably wondering, like, when are they going to get to our Question. We're working through it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yes, hey, we're get, yeah, we getting
1: there. We we'll appreciate you. Thank you so much. Well, Jules, before we get into the nuts and bolts of the episode, I wanted to get into something that a few of our listeners have sent over to us because they wanted us to discuss it on the show. It was the George Floyd $27 million settlement that his family received from the city of Minneapolis. So I wanted to get your thoughts on this before you know I expound on it. But I got a lot to say about this subject because when I saw it, a lot of this stuff just really made me kind of upset. I'm just going to be honest. So, But I wanted to get your thoughts on this whole situation because you know how I felt about this whole George Floyd situation since the summer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when I saw this, it just kind of made me mad a little bit. But what were your thoughts, man?
0: You know, no amount of money can ever address the pain and trauma that family goes through when they, they lose a loved one. It's hard. And what do you do? 27 million. That is a lot, a lot of money, but it doesn't replace George. Even though his family is set, his daughter is secure and set and stuff. They're still loved when it's gone. It's hard to address this. I don't even know how do you address it. It's, it should never happen. That's my whole thing. Brothers and sisters out there in law enforcement, listen, they teach you in the academy. Them, them cubs go on, game over. When it's on, game over. So if you see an officer that's out there just doing extra, man, just stop this brother or sister, whoever the case may be. Just stop them until you know and handle the situation because something like that, what we seen last year with George Floyd and some other cases, should never happen. I don't want to repeat of last year. This is real sensitive press because people are angry and they just and people don't care and they just they just uh, releasing expressing how they feel and not caring. So I know their their government. Politicians in Minneapolis are trying, whatever they're trying to do to try to keep the peace and keep the calm and try to work with the family and the public and stuff. But 27 million, OK, the family is set, but the loved one's still gone. The thing is, we need to, to address what happened should never happen. It should never happen again. That was the point where I stand
1: on this whole situation. and I've always been here. And I talked about in season one of the show, Jules, how there is a need for police reform in this in this country. Mm-hmm. You and know, I've talked about this on the side, whereas I understand for some people, the terminology of defund police is a little too strong for people. But there is something that needs to, to go on in this country, because when taxpayers are now on the hook for a twenty seven million dollar settlement, right. that pisses me off because they didn't do this. Derek Chauvin was the one that killed George Floyd. Right. He should be personally responsible. His police union should be personally responsible. Taxpayers should not be on the hook for these type of situations. That $27 million should have been going to the school system there in Minneapolis. It should be going to their infrastructure. It should be going to help in and rebuild the inner city.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's why when this came over to me, Jules, I looked at it and I said, to so Jules's point, that $27 million ain't going to bring George Floyd back. His daughter's not going to have her father anymore. This is blood money.
0: Now, the only thing is they also agreed that $500,000 will be used to you know, benefit the community that where George Floyd had died. Which is called the George Floyd Square, they call it. So five hundred thousand of it was is going to that community.
1: Yeah, yeah. Jules, but that's still that's still that that's still don't address.
0: I right, I I you know? get you, I yeah. get you. It's... Because also, let's look at this point.
1: Let's look at the timing of this settlement news coming out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I want our listeners to just think about this thing in the right lens. We have a trial going on for this officer that was involved in this situation, and now this settlement news comes out. Now, is this to basically soften the blow of this officer being let go of this crime? That's what I want to understand. Because why release this news? Uh, Jules, I don't know how you how this stuff works in CPD, but if there's a settlement, isn't there a way that you could put a gag order on this stuff? Like, why did this get released and the trial still going on? That was another issue that I had.
0: It does raise, raise concern. Because when I saw this, this is the— like, a lot of people saying this is the first now, so what's going on? It's, it's going to be a jury trial, so people, you know what that means. Now, if you ask me, I'm in the profession, if you ask me, okay, what he did, okay, they they give them second uh, second degree, third degree, and and manslaughter, I believe. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got to convince all 12 jury without, with a reasonable doubt that that's what he did on either one of those crimes. Now, this is going to be a little deep, I ain't trying to get too deep with this, but don't look for no 20 and 30 years. I'm just say that. So the third degree and second degree, don't look for it. Uh, second degree, maybe. But third degree manslaughter, uh, I'm not, you know, don't don't gear yourself up for that. But with this, is like, wait a minute. We put this thing out here, Their family getting 27 million. Okay. We got a trial that even that hadn't even went on yet. They only got 12 jurors. So, right, to Prez's point, your point, Prez, is this little hush money. Hey, listen, you got 27 million. All right, dude, you good. Dude, go ahead. Go ahead and do your thing. But you know what I'm saying? If they going to let this guy, the uh, officer, because we gave you, we paid you. It,
1: it, and, and, and that's the part that I don't right. respect because right. my whole thing is that money doesn't do justice for this situation. What we saw happen should never happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we should not have to continue to see these situations occur. And for me personally, a lot of this comes out to training and valuing human life because as a law enforcement officer, Mm -hmm. You're supposed to serve and protect. You're not the person that I should be watching on the video, kneeling on somebody's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds
0: and killing somebody. Right? No. No, no, no. You're absolutely right.
1: And secondly, the taxpayers shouldn't be the ones that have to pay for this. That is my biggest problem with this whole situation. Because if I was a taxpayer in that city, I would be pissed, bro. Yeah. And not only we just pissed about the money aspect of things, but just pissed that they're throwing money at a problem instead of fixing the actual issue itself.
0: I'm with you. The fixing the issue, we got to hold each other accountable. And let's be honest. Things happen where, hey, I snap a little a uh, couple times, but somebody's there to pull me back or I pull myself back. It's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with, it. hey, listen, hey, bro, he good. He good. We got him. Yep. And also, too, this is stuff that Jules and I talk about on this show all
1: the time and the fact of how we deal with one another, how we handle adverse situations. Now, I understand mm-hmm. that fucking blood starts pumping out there and things get a mm-hmm. little bit, you know, get a little bit hot, but that's when your training should be there. That's when you should be looking at the type of individuals that you have on these jobs. Because what I say, Jules, is I wish there were more cops that came from these neighborhoods that actually police these neighborhoods. Exactly. hmm I get you. Because a lot of times when I look at these situations, I'm like, bro, this situation even a cause for that type of force. So it's like, why are you so ready for shit to jump off? Why are you so quick to want to escalate, right? And so I think a lot of that comes with not understanding the people, right? Sometimes, and I'm just going to say it, sometimes being afraid of the people that you're policing. Because that could be a problem, too.
0: Yes, yes, sir.
1: And I've shared some personal s- situations that have happened with me. I'm not going to get into that on this episode, but we'll do future episodes, and I'll share some personal stories where things have happened to me where situations I didn't think were handled the best way when it came to law enforcement. So I always try, and Jules knows this about me, I try to be objective in anything that we do on this show, and I think about things before I say them. And so I'm not going to point fingers 100% in either direction, but we need to change what's happening in these police departments. And I think that when these situations happen, that the individuals that are doing these things are locked up and that taxpayers aren't on the hook for these mistakes. And that's, that's all I'm going to say. And I, we'll, we'll do a deeper episode on this, right. but right. that's just the way that I feel about it. Because as a taxpayer, my money should be going to fix him up my community in, in, the, in, the, in the neighborhood that I live in and not cleaning up somebody's uh, fucking error.
0: I get you, man. I, and some of the reform I, I'm reading about is trying to have officers be insured. So that way, taxpayers is not on the hook to when, when money is dished out to these families and stuff. It, you know, taxpayers are paid. You know, if a uh, police officer insured, the insurance company will take care of that. So I'm not sure what stages we're at on that, but that's part of the reformation. I think that's on the table.
1: Yeah, well, they need to do more than that, man. They need to, and that's one step of the other part of the process. But mm. we need to start thinking about background checks on these individuals. And I mean, you could probably talk about this more in a future episode, but yeah. we we need to pull back the curtain on exactly what goes into becoming an officer, right? Because I know your brother's now in law enforcement. So I would love to understand mm. what he went through as a new, you know, uh, officer to get on the force. Because what I want to understand is what's changed from the 15 years since you've been on the force to now what he's now had to undergo. Because if it's the same process, then it's still a broken process. If there have been tweaks that have been made, then okay, cool. But we still got a lot of way to go. And so I would love to hear that.
0: There's been a lot of changes, Prayers. I'll, I'll just tell you that. There's okay. <laughs> been a lot of changes I've been on. I'm, I'm sitting a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much... I'm pretty much old school. I'm pretty much old school. <laughs> and, and, and of all the changes that we have, have to go through in, in training and in, in computer work and stuff, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> man.
1: I would love to do a deeper episode on that later in this season. Yeah. And we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll kind of walk through some of that stuff. But at the scope okay. of this audience, thank you guys for sending this over to us. We saw this in the news as well. We were definitely going to speak on it, but we love that you guys want to be involved in some of the content that's being produced on the show. So thank you so much. And uh, without further ado, we are in the month of March, this is Women's History Month, and we on today's show have a special guest. We have a female entrepreneur here in the city of Chicago, and so we want to celebrate her journey and how she's helping the inner city to lead more healthy lifestyles. But this month here in March, this is a time for us to remember and celebrate the achievements of women across the world, right? I want to just make sure on this show that we're keeping it 100 and we're celebrating all aspects of the culture. Right. And so you have to think about some of these women in history that have been monumental to the success of this world. And it's Mm -hmm. so important for us to just make sure we keep that front in mind today, because when we talked about earlier in the show, how my buddy, he just had a little daughter. Right. It's important for every little young girl to follow their dreams. But we got to make sure that we have a world here today that's helping these women to cultivate those dreams and to protect them, because we know that there's a lot of bullshit that goes on in this world. That's why it's important to make sure in this world we are looking and fighting and striving for equality for all, not just racially, but generally, because we know that there's (laughs) and, and whatever the situation may be, there's a lot of times in life where things aren't fair. And we need to get to a playing field where everyone has the same opportunities. And that's what the, is the core of this show is. But we want to make sure that we're celebrating this month just like we did Black History Month and so forth. So Women's History mm-hmm. Month is very important to us.
0: Thank you, women. You know, I think I celebrate Women's Day maybe 365 days out of the year. That a boy. <laughs> all to them. If you want a happy home. <laughs> that's right. So, man. You're going to learn the day. Yeah, man. 365 days. Hey, man, what can we say? You make the world go round. What are we going to do without you? And I've talked about on this show, I was Uh raised by Mm -hmm.
1: black women, right? I didn't grow up around any sort of male influence. So I wouldn't be where I'm at if not for the influence of of women. So that's something that's always going to be important to me. Yes, sir. Yes,
0: sir. And she did a damn good job, too. Yeah, good job, Mo. (laughs) (laughs) Man, what can we say without you? James Brown even put in one of his uh, songs, A Man's World, but it wouldn't be nothing but about you women, real talk, real talk. So to have a a month to celebrate, to highlight what you guys been doing for centuries is, is amazing, It's awesome. Absolutely. And just for anyone that might be curious of why this month is celebrated
1: in March, there was an education task force in California. They held a Women's Week celebration and so this was in the month of march in 78 and it was a seven-day event and mm-hmm. basically what it was it was a uh, international women's day and basically it was so successful that uh jimmy carter basically just marked that as like a new beginning in american history and from here on out you know we celebrated a uh, women's history month so i just wanted to make sure that people knew the parallels there
0: you know jimmy's been doing some things man and uh and I think in, in, it evolved from, from there. I think it was like a day, then it was like a week, and then it went from a, a whole month. I think it was like 84 or something like that. So, right, so, man, that's good stuff, man. That's, that's awesome, man.
1: Absolutely. As we mentioned in our pre-show chat, we are welcomed today by Ariel Bannister. She's the owner of Banny's Beats on Chicago South Side. And a quick story before we go into this episode. I was introduced to Ariel by a good friend and a listener of this show, Monica. She served in the Peace Corps in Nepal with the British, who's a family member of Ariel's. So, you know, mm-hmm. as everybody knows out here, it's a really small world. And it's why I value relationships with good people, because it's through that friendship that I was able to connect with Ariel and learn about her goal to provide healthy living for people in the city of Chicago. With that being said, we got Ariel pulling back the curtain with us today. Ariel, talk to him. How you doing today?
2: I'm doing excellent. I'm feeling really good. Thank you for asking.
1: I have, everything's good. You're in the shop today. What's going on over there?
2: I'm in the shop, whipping up the juice, doing what I do best.
1: There you go. There you go. <laughs> and and, and the audience, that's what we're going we gonna to get her to tell a little bit about her story, and how she even got in there to even be whipping up that juice. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, Ariel, before we get into the show, as, and I was mentioning with the audience a second ago that. We've known about you and your work through, I believe, British. And then obviously I'm friends with Monica. So it's just a small world and just definitely appreciative of, you know, being able to be connected with someone that's doing really good work here in the South Chicago South Side.
2: It's such a blessing. I'm so grateful that they are able to, you know, relay the message. We have to keep it in our community, right? We have to be able to to share what we can. And it definitely with something like what we're serving. I love to be able to offer a healthy alternative for people. So I'm just grateful. Love them both.
1: Why you mentioned that, that you're looking to serve like that healthy alternative, what kind of led you down that path of wanting to do that? Or What, what, what was the big moment for you to say, hey, this is going to be the business model that I want to kind of go down?
2: Sure. Well, thank you for that question. Actually, I was taking care of my own self. And, you know, when you take care of yourself, others kind of take notice. And um, at the time, I was working a very stressful job at that time. And um, just to keep my own health up, I was having, you know, I was like, you know what, I'm really busy. I haven't been able to eat as good as I as I could. I was in grad school and working a full time job. And I said, you know what, the best way I can get my nutrients in is going to be through juice. So every morning I would make this really ugly looking juice. It was black. <laughs> it had every single last thing you could think about in there. <laughs> and um, and my coworkers shortly but surely started to catch up. Like, you know, what is that ugly thing you bring into work every day? I'm like, hey, this keeps me going. It actually tastes good. Um, you know, I feel good. And it's the only reason that I'm able to do all I'm doing. and kept my energy up. And so they started trying it. And they were like, actually... This is good, And they started feeling good, and they were telling me how they didn't want to go without it. so they were making it was just kind of making them make better decisions with what they were eating, and they started asking for me to bring it every day. It started off voluntary. Mm. You know, I was just like, I'm just gonna bring it, I make it. it doesn't matter and And the list just kept growing. So I was like, all wow. right, well, you know, at this point, we probably need to consider something. And so they had a donation box, and they gave me what they thought you know it should be worth for them. And I say, you know what? This is probably something that's that could be a business. So really, it was the educational piece, being able to inspire other people to make better decisions. That really was my aha moment. And then just naturally, as God's will, I learned about my own autoimmune issues. And that's what kind of reconnected me to the goal. Because, you know, we as entrepreneurs, you have your times, or you have your ups and downs, and you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to take all this on. And one of the reconnectors that kind of just really let it home for me was when I knew that I needed it for myself, wow. and how okay. it was making me feel and, and making me better. So I myself have juice every day, and I try to keep. You know, I have this community that's with me to keep to reinforce me as well. So it's actually more than I'm helping them; than they know, they also are helping me. I'm just grateful to be where I am,
1: and that's awesome because when I'm listening to that story your product basically started with your own well-being, right? And then yeah, you were able did. to share that with other people. When I look at, you know, Bandy's beets, can you talk to us about why beets? Why is that so important to your product?
2: Absolutely. So beets are essential to helping to aid in cleaning our livers. And our liver is actually our body's powerhouse. It tells our body what, what waste to keep, what to get rid of, and so as long as we have an optimal working liver, we have a better chance at optimal health. And what I've learned mm-hmm. is that that's been that's a lot of our pitfalls in our health ailments. And so um, just kind of just like a lot of people complain about like bloating. It's not like across any illness, bloating, nausea, these different gut issues. And so beets are a quick and fun way to actually get that resolved. And so I put that in all the juices because I know that it's something that especially within our community we don't often have sometimes when we don't have the things that we need it's so unfamiliar. We think that maybe we're feeling sick or something like that. So that's why I included it everywhere.
1: No, and that's really awesome. And one thing, too, the thing that resonated with me the most, and a lot of our listeners probably will agree with this this point that I'm getting ready to make. But within our community, I didn't grow up eating beets. You know, I watched my grandmother. She was all about that kind of stuff. But I looked at it, I was like, I couldn't get over the smell. So I'm like, no, I'm good. You know what I mean? <laughs> but that's why I think it's important, though, for the work that you're doing, because you're introducing that to a culture that generally wouldn't be exposed to these type of vegetables and, you know, a really good way of living. Right. So talk to us a little bit more about some of the early influences. What, what was it that got you down this path? Because you mentioned you were working a corporate role there. You were in grad school. Walk us back a little bit of like the earlier journey where you uh, exposed to entrepreneurs and, you know, growing up and what kind of led you down this path?
2: So my mother actually has always been a well, not always, but for a, the, a great majority of my life, she's been an entrepreneur. So I've always loved her hustle and bustle and her, you know, kind of just kind of determining her own destiny in that way. I just knew that if I wanted to go after something that I believed in, I had to do it for myself. I hadn't really seen any other companies that was doing it the way that I saw that we needed it. So I saw the need and I just went for it.
1: So when you mentioned you saw the need, talk to us about, you know, some of the things that went into that, because I'm sure your story of trying to get this off the ground probably wasn't easy. So what went into it? Did you do any sort of uh, crowdfunding? What was kind of that process for you?
2: Actually, I used all of my own savings to start the business. Now, oh, wow. I know that crowdfunding and other options would have been actually better for me. But mm-hmm. at that time, I didn't know any alternatives, really. I just I just saw that if I got a loan, it would mean debt. And I, that became overwhelming for me. So I used all of my savings to start the business and you know struggled. <laughs> and I'm still coming out of that hole. But You know, I I learned a lot within that path. It's not everyone's path. Everyone doesn't start that way. And I actually think strategically, you shouldn't start that way. You should actually do as much fundraising as possible before starting Mm. a business. But now that I'm here, I'm here and I'm I'm working my way, you know, through that.
1: So majority bootstrapped on your part, trying Mm -hmm. to get the business off the ground. Talk to Mm -hmm. us about the evolution of the business. So before you got your brick and mortar store there, what mm-hmm. what, how did, what were the early beginnings? So you mentioned at the workplace where you were getting the orders and you were bringing those in. What was the evolution from there?
2: So I started basically in my kitchen and I started making partners with other restaurants in the hospitality industry. From there, I started asking if I could use their kitchen, you know, after I got licensed and things like that. I asked if I could use their kitchen while I started doing different farmer's markets and things like that. And then once I got enough leverage from the farmers markets and such, I was able to afford at least, you know, my two months of rent for my brick and mortar. So I just took that risk um and <laughs> did my build out. But um before then one of the biggest, the bigger events that we did that was very successful was the vegan festival that was downtown. It was in downtown Chicago and Grand Park, yep. Okay. Um, it was their first year coming here. We went there and, and we, we did very well. We sold out, out of everything that we made. And from there, I knew that it was something that people not just needed, but liked. it was like people coming back and they were just having so many great things to say. And that's that's another reassuring moment during this time that got me reconnected to it.
1: That's amazing right there in itself, because Jules, when when you listen to that story, not only did she finance this thing on her own, you know, which I'm sure that's going to be a lesson that you would give to other entrepreneurs about seeking other different ways that they can go about kind of getting the business off the ground but I love the fact that you were there on the ground out there hustling and doing whatever you had to do to kind of get your business, you know, and get the name out there and, and things of that nature. So that, I really love hearing that.
2: It's a challenge for sure. And mean, like I said, if I were to advise anyone else, I would say, don't do it the hard way if you don't have to. Um, there are better ways to go about it. And I think within our community, a lot of times, we're taught to not um, take risks on loans and, and things like that. And I get it because, you know, no, that isn't the most attractive thing. But I would definitely advise to see your options, see all of your options before making a decision like that.
1: And, and that's an important point, because a lot of times too, our people, Ariel, they don't realize that there is a level of learning how to leverage your debt. That could work in your favor as well. So I think that that's also very important for people to kind of look at, looking at all your options because you never know. You know, yeah,
2: you never know, <laughs> and you also never know who might be trying to do what you're doing. So sometimes just communicating will help. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes just communicating with other people in your network on things that you're trying to do will help.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Because think about, because think about this. Like, and, and Jules, I was just going to make one point and then let you jump in. Okay, but the network that's the important part. And and this is something that I often stress with kids that I mentor with that obviously you don't know what you don't know, right? So sometimes you have to put yourself in different rooms by putting yourself in them different rooms. Then now you have the ability to find like-minded people, people that have the same journey and dream that you have. Right. And I think that that's really important for us as we all you know, are looking to evolve our lives or just kind of understanding the rooms that we're in and putting ourselves around people that can help us elevate.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Now, Ari, I wanted to ask you, I know you, you was talking about the, uh, you went down to Grant Park for, for your, your vendors and you was out there doing your thing at Grant Park. Now, were there any license that you had to do as far as licensing, anything you have to pay or anything like mm-hmm. that?
2: That's you, the hardest part. It you... is, I mean, actually from what I understand, I don't, I don't know this fully because I'm not in that market anymore. Mm -hmm. But from what I'm understanding, there are better options now for budding entrepreneurs. So if you're looking to start to like do pop-up shops and different things, you can do a specific license that's just for that. And you only need like certain requirements for the facility that you're working in to be up to code. And from there, I think it's like way cheaper than whatever I had to pay at that time. But you can do that. And once you do that, you can um kind of test out your your brand from what I had to do, I had to actually have a business license. I had to have insurance. I had to have an actual like my company be you know a legal company, things like that. So I had to have kind of some some basic things that that were actually pretty expensive for a new business that doesn't know you know what they're gonna do. at that time, I didn't have a brick and mortar. I knew that I wanted to do something. I actually thought I was gonna do a food truck first. but anyway, there were a lot of legal things and I had to have my food sanitation license as well. It can be discouraging for a lot of new people. Like I said, I do think they're doing better at making laws and, you know, kind of helping out in the city of Chicago, helping out smaller businesses just get started and kind of go from there and and test out what they're doing. But like, you know, once you start business, then you have taxes and it, you know, it's, it's a, it's a thing, you know, it's a process. It isn't just like you go to a market and then you just pocket all that money. It's not like that. I think a lot of people get the impression that entrepreneurship means that you just got all this, this cash and, you know, you could just do what you want to do type of thing. And it isn't that way, you know, you still have responsibilities just like any other company. So it's just something to keep in mind. And, and hopefully we're valuing that when we, when we seed into small businesses, because there are way more red tapes for us, especially starting off. And it's at a greater cost for us because we don't really know those costs really until you get involved, right? So it's not easy. It's just not easy.
1: What would you say that that was one of the biggest hurdles that, that you faced with getting things going?
2: yeah i think knowing all the legals and knowing all the fees that i would potentially have was probably a big hurdle also just learning the whole like so we had to do a build out at our store because we didn't have things up to code when 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 we started and so i had to spend i didn't know i would need an architect i didn't you know in my space if, if ever you guys stop by It's a small space like who would think you would need to hire an architect starting at six thousand dollars for a little bitty, you know, (laughs) walk in shop. That was a new thing for me. Getting plumbing done, things, you know, just things you don't know. That was a hard part for me. Actually, I had a terrible experience with construction workers. They stole all my material and didn't show up Uh. again for the job. Just Crazy things, you know, things you just would never. So for my build, I ended up paying double what my initial, you know, expense was just because literally people just walked out and stole. So you just have to build for incidentals. You have to deal for things that may or may not work out, you know, and, and. that could be hard because I gave all of what I had. You know, I didn't, I budgeted appropriately and I had to find, you know, I just had to make it work, but I had to put my credit cards, you know, they went up and up and up because I wanted it to open. So, you know, I did all I could do.
1: Yeah, and, and the thing about it is, I mean, those are some of the stories that we hear from a lot of budding entrepreneurs that we have on the show of, just some of those learning lessons that they have. And it seems like, You definitely had some of those lessons, but it also seems like not only have you grown from those, I mean, I think what it is, it probably made you more resolute in this being the path that you wanted to go down, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of going forward. Absolutely. So talk to us a little bit about your location there and why you chose that location there in Beverly.
2: Well, I'm from the South Side. I'm from this neighborhood. I crossed between this neighborhood and 79th and Sangamon same block as Leo High School. So I'm a Southsider at my heart. Southside. And, (laughs) And I wanted to be able to pop up in a community near, you know, near our community, um, and be able to give back in a way, you know, because this is something, this is a product that's not just, you know, it's I'm investing in you making a good decision for yourself. That that's as simple as it's put. It's not really, we're not even profiting yet. This is really purely about I know that at the end of the day, our health is our biggest indicator on our productivity as a community. So if, if we're not healthy, we're not going to be able to show up in, in in places where we should be showing up, right? So so I, I felt like we don't have this type of experience nearby that's truly organic and served in glass and, you know, making as healthy as you can be, as clean as you could be, that isn't an option Near this community that I've witnessed. So I, you know, instead of going to the north side, I wanted to be on the south side because I filled with that we needed. Now, if I went to the north side, I'm sure that it would have probably been an easier sale because uh, they're already accustomed to that. Yep. But mm-hmm. um, and they're demanding that. But I wanted us to, to start to see what we need and demand that. So I'm very excited that, you know, we're setting some trends. I see a lot more businesses popping up that's health conscious and, you know, doing it clean, doing it right. So, hey, I'm, I'm all for it. I love to see it. And that's pretty much why we're here.
1: Pioneer. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say you know leading up to this time of having your your brick and mortar to the time when you were selling the juices, you know, within the workspace? What were some of the other things outside of like the vegan fest, fest where you were testing the product out to where you really said, okay, it's time to make it to that next step? Because what I want people that are listening to this episode that may have an idea in their mind. I want them to just really understand the full evolution and your mindset of all the different ways that you did to make sure that this product was a product that people wanted and you felt like it was a product that was ready to, to go to the markets.
2: Sure. So before we even picked our location because I was looking in different neighborhoods I was looking at High Park, I was looking in the south side, south side. I was looking in Bronzeville. So what I did was I, I did any type of farmer's markets that were available in those neighborhoods that I was considering, I was a part of it. I did a farmer's market in Bridgeport. I did a farmer's market in Bronzeville. Uh, one of my staples of a farmer's market that really let me know you know, that this is something that I just got to continue. And I was able to get the support from that from that um, community as well, was Boxville. Urban Junction, the Boxville um, area, that initiative has been a really great initiative that I was a part of when I was actually one of their founding vendors. And so that group, actually, they helped me with a lot of like just business things to help me um, get to where I was. They supported my opening. They they did a lot to make sure that I was ready to open. So I'm very thankful for that community. Just from the different areas. Uh, where else did we go? We went to we even went out to some far out suburbs, Evanston areas, doing some pop ups. So many neighborhoods. I can't really remember them all right now. But um. Going to those different neighborhoods, really getting feedback from them, talking to them. They started to tell me, hey, we actually want to find you. We want to be able to go come to you like we we love to see you just on Sundays, but we want to be able to whenever we want, be able to come to you. So that's really what because, like I said, I was going to do a food truck at first. Um, But with that with that feedback, I was like, maybe it is a good idea because I still need somewhere to produce. Maybe it's a good idea to go ahead and get a storefront. So it was a journey, and I think that's took I started this in um two thousand and twelve. So okay. from two thousand and twelve up until three years ago was when we actually opened up our brick and mortar. So it was a way more it was a way longer stint of time just kind of investigating, testing out recipes, testing out sizing, just testing out different things before the decision was made like this is where we're gonna be, this is what we're gonna do. So I think that the biggest thing was just you are serving an audience essentially. Um, so if you need to listen to your audience and and ha- and they're they're your biggest help really to to know your next steps in some way. You know, in some ways, I kind of help them because they don't know all of what they need, but they help me with my next steps of of being helpful to them. So that was a part of my mindset in making the decisions to move forward.
1: Love that. Love that. What are some things that you're doing outside of the business that you have there? Are you a part of any sort of, you know, healthy lifestyle groups or organizations where you're kind of getting the word out, especially in the inner city? Like, what are some of the other things you're doing to to kind of advance that footprint?
2: So we're partnered with other health conscious places such as Majani's. We do the vegan paradise Market which we started that actually last year. And that's a a really great community. And we meet a lot of other vendors that are like-minded. So we kind of share our posts and different things like that, just to to keep that circle going and keep those people that are health conscious and looking to be at least um, with options. So that's one avenue. This isn't necessarily the health conscious, but one of the networks that I recently got involved with, with is the Women's entrepreneurship program at DePaul is called We W-E-I program at DePaul. And they actually help with leveraging just like different things, legal support, um, just kind of business, business structure support, all those types of things but making sure that we were tight. I'm also studying to have my nutritionist degree. And so from there, I'll be able to actually consult with people that I'm already consulting with. But um, from a a better level, you know, I'll be more knowledgeable and um, I'll be able to have consultations with some of my clients as well as some new clients and just be able to sit with them and actually figure out plans. Um, Because that happens a lot naturally. People come in with all types of ailments and want to get a plan together to a better health. That's something that I'm working on right now. And hopefully by summer, I'll be done with that program and um, be able to support more intensely our communities with um, information.
1: That's really awesome. And as I sit and listen to some of the things that you mentioned, one thing that I wanted to go back on real quick, and is I think this is going to be an important thing for all of us here on this on this call to, to focus in on. You mentioned that, hey, you know what? I could have easily have put this business on the north side and you would have put it over there and your juices would have just been going out the door, right?
2: Flying yeah, off the shelves. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't
1: have been able to whip them up quick enough, right? Right, but,
2: exactly.
1: <laughs> but, mm-hmm. and also too, that community can afford your product. You have to think about, you know, if you go to like a, a Mariano's or a Whole Foods, to eat and to have that type of lifestyle, it's going to cost, you know, a little bit more than if you want to go to maybe a store that's selling foods that are loaded with preservatives. So what mm-hmm. what what was kind of like the hurdle you had there with your business To offset, hey, you know what, my product is going to be a little costlier than maybe a regular juice that a kid can go to the corner store and get.
2: Right. So here's the thing. We can't compete with stuff that's not natural. Right. And so the reality is if you're purchasing a a lemonade or let's just say apple juice, say you're purchasing an apple juice, an apple juice that's $2.99 for a gallon of apple juice, it's impossible. If you were to sit at home and make your own apple juice you would quickly learn that it doesn't it costs you way more even if it weren't organic even if you weren't doing it the cold press way even if you weren't doing the doing it the best way possible of juicing you will automatically learn very fast that it's cost you more than 299 to make that juice. We can bring into account the fact that this may it's a manufacturer and they have you know bulk pricing and all these things and that that matters but not that much when you look at the actual cost and what you're paying for it i would hope that people would question what am i drinking mm-hmm. what am i drinking that would that would bring the cost down so low that i can get this whole gallon for 2.99 well unfortunately you're not really drinking you're probably drinking five percent apple juice even though it says 100 percent. my point with that is that yes it seems though it seems as though it is cheaper to live a quote-unquote healthier lifestyle. And I have to argue the point that actually it's far more expensive in the long run to not lead a healthier lifestyle. And that's because if you aren't paying for it now, guess what? You will later because why do we go to doctors and why do we, you know, continue with these checkups? And then what do we learn? We have high blood pressure, we have diabetes, we have all of these food-led illnesses that are that we're going to pay for so it'll be thousands more <laughs> by the time you get to that point <laughs> right and you would have wasted most of your money and your income spending what you thought was healthy food for your family right so I think that if we have to change our mindset in terms of because sometimes you know we we we're very conscious of how we spend our money mm-hmm. sometimes we'll spend our money on a let's just say this isn't too expensive but let's just say 150 dollar purse for instance, because this purse is so cute and we're going to save our money up to spend $150 on this purse. And then we go through the McDonald's drive through for $5 because we saved up our money to spend it on a purse, but we didn't think about saving up our money to spend it on a better lifestyle. Mm, so we absolutely mean, wow. have the money. The money, I don't believe it. for one second that our community is not able to lead a healthy lifestyle. I believe that we're not educated in terms of how to spend our money, and how to budget, and how to plan. It's about a plan. Sometimes you work in environments where you live, when you're working in a downtown environment, you didn't even know that you had that you have so much money. But then when you stop, for instance, all right now, we're all seeing savings because we're staying at home and we're in the house and we're not we're not doing some of the things that we used to do. Now, some of them might have rolled over to to convenience in ter- and safety in terms of deliveries and things like that. that that's fair. Mm-hmm. But we did see a, a savings. And it's because sometimes we don't really realize what we're doing with our money. I cannot support and subscribe to the whole we don't have the money thing, because if you add up how much it actually costs you to have the chips, for instance, to feel full, because most of the babies are eating like four bags of chips, for instance, to actually feel full because that there is not satisfying them for one juice for six dollars. that might have filled them up for breakfast that it doesn't even make sense at the end of the day. And let's just like take me out of the equation. Make it yourself. An apple doesn't cost you. The apple could cost you the same amount of seventy-nine cent for an apple, twenty more cent for an apple than a fifty-cent bag of chips, and it's a real thing. I, I, I we have the money, and um, we just don't know how to how to wrap our head around how to spend it. So hopefully that you know with and and a lot of times we have to understand what foods do to our minds, and when we really think about that. We get to understand that, oh, my goodness, I'm so distracted in my mind. I, I can't even think straight because I'm filling my body up with things that it hates. It just hates. It takes mm-hmm. it forever to digest it. It can't digest it. It's trying to understand what to do with it because it's not real food. And so your body is spending half of the day trying to understand <laughs> what the hell. Your body is spending half of the day trying to out, figure out what the hell did you just feed me. <laughs> and then the other half you might feel okay
1: yeah because because your body gonna let you know
2: <laughs> it, it lets you know every single time i always tell you, listen to your body listen to your body what did your body tell you after you ate the bag chips what did you you started to get feel a little hype and then a little sluggish okay you have an addiction that's what happens when people have uh drugs a substance it's sometimes when you have substances, you go from a high to a low or you go from a low to a, a super low. It kind of depends on the drug and what's it doing and what's it's doing to your chemistry. But we just have to be more understanding to the real things that's happening here. And it shouldn't be the case that we're marketing to children that it's, it's cheaper to have anything that's bad for them. Right. So, yeah, it looks like it. The, the bag of chips look like it, but it it, it isn't expensive to have a banana. Right. It it really isn't. Sometimes the schools and different organizations Mm -hmm. have that stuff free. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: We just don't want it. Our appetites aren't there yet.
1: Right. But that's why I was saying that's where the education comes from. So, you know, a business like yours and the different uh, organizations that you're a part of, but even in the schools, um, I think that that may be even a deeper thing to look at here is having these conversations at that level, because, I think in our community, we could benefit from that. Because as I was mentioning earlier, there was things with fruits and vegetables. When I was growing up and I played sports, but I wasn't eating any of that stuff. It, it took me to become an adult to realize the stuff that I was putting on my body, what it was actually doing to my body <laughs> mm-hmm. and how it inflames your joints and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. growing up, I didn't know that. I'm eating heralds and telling you to keep it moving. I don't, I don't want any of that and, stuff.
2: And unfortunately, um, we were getting feedback such as, well, you're young, you can do that. I know you can That's, that is a myth. Children are cannot do bad things because they're young. That is the that is a terrible way to to teach your child. Mm. The decisions start now if you if you introduce them into a better lifestyle now, they have a better chance at actually implementing it. Do you know how far along in the addiction they'll be at thirty and twenty five and 40, they're like, oh, my God. It's like it's like torture for them to come off of it.
1: And that journey should start from day one, you know, right. to develop those habits. No, I agree right. with you. There 100%. are schools
2: that are starting to adopt, adopt that. And there are schools that have, ban- that have banned chips, which I I agree with that, you know, and if it's not going to be at least a healthier version of it, then, yeah, banned it because it's not helping them. Mm. It's not helping them stay alert at school.
1: Yeah, I think I've seen that too in some of the schools and the vending machines. Some of the type of stuff they've taken out and they've added yeah. some certain things. So yeah, that's a that's a good first step. What are some of the things that you think that can kind of help some of these attitudes that that we have? Because I'm telling you, it took me to literally and Jules can tell you this. I was probably in my like mid twenties before I started to like like really get into the vegetable and fruits lifestyle. So it's like, what do you think that we could do to kind of change some of these uh, viewpoints?
2: Well, I think that. Juice is super easy. You drink it and you go. I mean, that's super easy way to start to help your children. It tastes good. It's not. I have a lot of babies that I'm surprised. I'm like, wow, you know, (laughs) it didn't take much to. They just want something that's yummy. They don't really you know, they're not really looking into all of the rest of it. I think that's a helpful way. I think smoothies are a helpful way because that's fun. They can make it themselves. Sometimes when you make it yourself, you don't think it's as bad as when someone else makes it. So encourage children to make their own smoothies. Encourage them to make their own salads. Encourage them to do it themselves so that they can have it themselves and they can notice the different ways that things taste so that they can start to build their own palates in a better way. Sometimes just because, you know, we just feel, and then also balancing their plates. Like, I know that sometimes we'll just say, okay, I'm just going to give you a hamburger and fries. Well, (laughs) let's just think about colors when we're feeding anybody anything. Colors, is that a colorful plate? You know, you're just seeing browns and browns, right? So where are your greens? Where are your yellows? Where, Where are your colors at? And you can really only find that through naturally through fruits and vegetables. So colors is a great way. You know, I see people that sometimes make their children's foods fun. They cut it up in shapes. You you have to do whatever you got to do. Be creative. I know that, you know, not a lot of us have that time and luxury because we're trying to work super hard and you know the the world isn't catering to us unfortunately but right. we can do something and a minimal is some is a smoothie a minimal is a smoothie a minimal is not purchasing stuff stuff such as um chips and and fruit snacks right don't even purchase it if i mean if they get it they can get it outside the house but don't have it in the house maybe they have it once a week now because they can't find it at home you have to find your way and the biggest thing probably is just you yourself as a parent being better you know I hear sometimes some of my parents are like oh I'm going on a cleanse but I still gotta cook for my baby so I'm gonna to I'm do it and they'll tell me what they fix and I'm like well they don't have to eat that because you know you you don't want to go back to eating that they don't have to eat that they can have what you have too
1: so you like you going on the cleanse, but you fry some chicken up for the baby with a bunch mm-hmm. of other stuff.
2: <laughs> right, I'm like, well, we got options. We got options. Uh, it's okay. They don't have to eat that. They can have what you have. <laughs>
1: Well, one of the things that you brought up that I thought was really dope was the fact of hey, you sent these juices and the smoothies and different things. And I think that's that's why when Jules and I, you know, became familiar with your business, why I thought this is so really this is really cool because these are things that you can help people get on the go. So let's say for instance, as you mentioned with time, some working professionals, they don't have that time in the morning to prep and to put together a juice, but maybe they can run past your shop, grab that, jump on the train. Go in the car, do what they need to do. And I think that's what that's the value of what you're offering people.
2: Yep. And we're right at the Metro station. Initially, that that was the plan, right? And you know, but as COVID happened, the the traffic slowed down a bit. Right. Um, and then partner with winter. But yeah, that's the idea. We're ready. We're ready. You just, you just, you will, we'll get your help together. You just keep it moving and we'll we'll keep on investing in that. You just come and get it, and we'll we got you. Another thing is. Those are nutrient packed. So one juice is, is doing so much for you. It's doing so much. You're getting so much that you would never just chew up in a day. So it's super critical. It's not just like, you know, uh, it's not just the fact that it tastes good. It's like you got to get your nutrients in if you want to keep going. You know, and then we want our babies to be star athletes and star whatever, star dancers and star whatever. They need fuel. They're not. They're going to burn themselves out. They're going to be frustrated. They're going to have, you know, energies that are just kind of misplaced mis- because they need help. They, they're malnourished.
1: And that's a really strong point that you bring up. One thing that I was going to say to you to piggyback off of what you said is before uh, the COVID and the pandemic, you know, I would go into schools and I would uh, be speaking with students and I would see their body language. A lot of times they're in the classroom. They look like they're like half, you know, sleep, half
2: awake. half mm-hmm.
1: awake. And I think that that's a strong point that you're making is because who knows what the hell that they had at lunch <laughs> <and Yeah. laughs> that put them in that type of, of mind frame, because I know mm-hmm. for me. I run, I've run half marathons. So everything for me that I put in my body now is to fuel my body. Right. Mm -hmm. So after Mm -hmm. I eat, I feel energized. And so I think a lot of this is education and teaching people that that food is supposed to be a fuel and not just something to to make you get the itis. (laughs) Right.
2: Exactly. Actually, itis is a strong indicator that you're eating something that your body can't handle. It's a strong indicator that that you're misreading what your body likes. Right. So if you are getting the itis and I've had itis, you know, and when it's high, <laughs> when it's high starchy stuff or when it's stuff that's really heavy and hard for my body to digest, I'm instantly tired. I'm not energized. And what you have to remember is that a lot of times, the first of all, the whole American diet is is crazy and crap. Right. Like so before we even start our day, we're taught to have bread and <laughs> eggs and milk and all types mm. of bloating Yep. and draining foods that actually don't help us that we have to you know or comfort food if you will like sometimes even oatmeal can stick to you and it could be you know filling but also tiring because it's a it's a heavy food to eat actually mm-hmm. so what i recommend is just because you know you're waking up in the morning doesn't mean you have to have a huge big meal you can have juice you can have water. You can have a smoothie. You can have whatever you need that has this loaded with nutrients, or you can eat fruit. You can eat things that are nutritious. That's what you need. When people say your breakfast is your most important meal. Absolutely. Sure. But make sure that it's nutritious. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you're not just putting all of, and first of all, if you're not working out, you don't need to be eating the hard, starchy stuff anyway. You don't need to be having no breads and all of these carbs. If you're not going to work it, You know, you have to work out carbs. They have to, they need you. You can't just be like, okay, I'm going to stock up on all the carbs and just sit here and go sleep. (laughs) Then it's going to stick around your waist. It's going to stick around your legs. It's going to stick around your arms. It's going to stay with you because you slept with it. So it's going to stick with you Mm. like your little broke best friend. (laughs) And it's going to be around forever until you address it and you have to work with it. You know, so... That's one of the, the biggest things at the schools that that I feel like need to change is the fact that, you know, and hopefully in in some later years, I can work with committees that will help address this. But, you know, it's all about money at the end of the day, unfortunately. And yep. so I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doubting that that would be, a, you know, a, a easy sale. But what what I can do is work with the parents and hopefully they'll advocate for their, their children. Anyway, I want to make sure that we're not feeding our children incorrectly there are many studies out there and they aren't really known but there are many studies out there that show and indicate that real foods you know and then it's also not even the fact that it's just bad foods but also it's heavily processed food so they're getting stuff out of a bag that came from five years ago that's still been in the freezer they unthought it's just ridiculous So fresh food is going to be one good thing. So can we just at least give them fresh food? And if it were high starch fresh food that was made from scratch, then, hey, that's a little bit better than having it from the freezer.
1: That's loaded with preservatives and everything else, That's
2: loaded with preservatives. Absolutely. It's, It's killing them. It's killing them because it isn't natural. And their body is trying to, like I said, digest it. So it has no idea. It's unfamiliar with this substance. So that's what's making you, quote unquote, tired tire is my body, your body is saying, I need to process this. I don't know what this is. I need to process it. I'm familiar with the taste, with, my, with the palates, because, you know, I like that palate, whatever you have. A, now you have an affinity for that taste. But your body is literally shutting down to say, I, I, I can't do it. Right now, we got to stop. This here, I need time. And, <laughs> and so why would you even continue to do that? Why is that a funny thing in our community to say, oh, <laughs> they got the itis. Right. Uh, yeah, do you know what that really means? <laughs> nah,
1: talk to him. Talk to him.
2: Yeah, your baby it is sleep half the day and you're talking about it's because he's growing. That boy is 20 years old. <laughs> he's, done, <laughs> uh, he's done his growing.
0: He ain't no By baby no more. <laughs> <25%.
2: Boy.
0: laughs> 20 years old. God. Yeah, that's, that's a big baby right there. <laughs>
2: I'm like, what? You like he's he in there he sleep. I know every time he eat he is sick. He's on his way toward a illness.
1: Think about early stage diabetes, all that stuff, right? right. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And people think it's a look to it. You can be any size and have diabetes or high blood pressure or any food food bread illness. So oh, you, we just got to be mindful and listen to our bodies. If it's not making you feel good, just drop it. Or at least have it sparingly. I don't know why we reward ourselves with stuff to make us feel bad, but hey, we do. But at least (laughs) have it sparingly. You know? Have it sparingly. You shouldn't want that to be your... You shouldn't go to have food to know, I'm going to be tired as heck after this. (laughs) (laughs) What? Like, you got stuff to do. We got stuff to do. It's almost a smack in, in the world's face to say, like I don't owe anybody anything. I could just... I know I'm going to walk into this and just be dead to the world. Like, <laughs> um, show up for life. No, thank you.
0: <laughs> you like, wake up.
2: Wake <laughs> right, um, up. And all the ways you can wake up. I
0: want to ask you something, Dr. Ari.
2: <laughs> oh, Lord. No, don't, don't, don't get that started. Then I would be having something
0: <laughs> too. <laughs> I want to ask you, it, way be, in the beginning of our, our episode here, you talk about this black juice. I want to know, what is the name of that black juice? Oh, so is there? A I, don't ha- I
2: don't offer that. I Is there?
0: A- you say you forgot? Okay.
2: <laughs> I'm all about color now. So at go. that time, I didn't care about colors. But what I had in that juice, for whoever would like to know, it was definitely black. I had beets in there. I had broccoli. I had kale, parsley, spinach, apples, celery, ginger, lemon, pear, and kiwis. I want to say that was it, but. All of that made for a very dark and black juice. Dark and, and black
0: juice. Wow. So you should just call it dark, just dark and black. <laughs> he said, "Look disgusting, huh?"
2: Well, not that dark and black is disgusting. Because hey, I no love no no, dark I got you. Black.
0: Right, right. No, I got you. Um,
2: to drink, it absolutely, uh-huh. looked, absolutely looked like mud, and <laughs> people was not filling it. But I never offered it as an offering. Um, I just had that for myself because I didn't care about the aesthetics for myself, but as a company of course I care about the presentation and now we're all about colors so we have distinct juices for and you know as I evolved I learned about varieties of things such as beets you got different color beets so I explore with that I have though we have beets and all the juices all of them are not red because we use golden beets as well so you know you as you grow you learn I've changed things up a bit but yeah that juice was was great, but, um, you know, it was just dark, and I, I don't think that that would have been that marketable. I don't care oh. how I would have whipped it up. I think they'd been like, I don't know. No, no, no. No, <laughs> no,
1: no that, 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 one, that one wasn't going. <laughs>
2: that one wasn't going to make it. That, uh-uh. that little one wasn't going to make it.
1: But, but I like the fact, too, of how you talked about with parents, with their kids, making it fun, making the place colorful, right? Because that's the whole thing that I want our audience to take away from this. Nothing wrong with the the black juice that she mentioned earlier. But no. if we can change the aesthetics, then maybe when it's brighter and it's lighter, that'll attract more people to say, you know what, let me mm-hmm. get at a shot, right? And I think this stuff along those lines, it, it works pretty well. One thing before we get out of here, I wanted to know, with your juices, do they have to be consumed immediately or can they be refrigerated?
2: Um, They can be refrigerated. So with our process, we are a cold-pressed organic cold press juicery. So what that means is that our method of juicing is very pure. And at the end of the day, we capture the maximum nutrients in all of what we do. So we don't apply any type of heat to the process. It's kind of like old school way. Like when we used to just, you know, if you remember squeezing a lemon or an orange and making orange juice or making lemonade, and that's way back then. And I did that as a little girl, but I'm sure now that's all out the picture. But anyway. (laughs) That method is a very gentle and natural, and the best way to make juice. So we pretty much, with the machine, have with the commercial machine, have that process just in a machine. So that in that way, it extends the shelf life up to five days, up really up to five to seven days. It depends on the juice itself, um, because some things have natural preservatives. Like we don't add anything, but like carrots are are naturally preserving. Lemons are actually. Are actually uh, naturally preserving, so there are certain things you can mix in your juices to help extend the life. So we do our juices do last for a while, a week. So you can stock up for the week, or you can come in daily. You know, you can do what you whatever fits fits your 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 schedule. We also deliver, so we try to do whatever we can do. We know how important it is, so we do what we can do, and hopefully, people just meet us halfway.
1: How far is that delivery radius? So and for our audience, her store is located on 103rd and Hill um in the Beverly area. So how far is that radius for delivery for people that may be interested in that option?
2: Um, you know, right now we don't have a lot of boundaries. We um actually also ship out. So like some of like I have some customers that live, like, say, for instance, in Rockford, for that customer, we will ship it out. They do pay the shipping. It can last for shipping up to 72 hours. So, you know, it kind of depends. But for delivery, we don't really have a, a strong radius at this time because we're just trying to get people uh, to better health. So we're all over the place. We're in the Beverly neighborhood, of course. We're also in the South Shore area. We have a South Loop location for pickup and delivery only. That you can order through Uber Eats, and it could go in that area if you live in that area. If it shows up on your Uber Eats Uber Eats app, feel free to order it there. It really just depends, and if you have a bigger order, especially, we we don't have any issue getting it to you. So
1: that product delivery piece is something important, and I want people to take advantage of that because even if you aren't located directly in that Chicagoland area, seventy two hours. I mean, that's pretty good amount of time that that product will hold up. So I would definitely encourage people that are listening to give this a shot. Uh, can you give the audience the website, any of your socials, and any other additional information on their business before you before you get out of here today?
2: Absolutely. So our website is www.FannySpeaks, b a n i s b e e t s dot com, and our social media handles are all at Banny's Beats, B-A-N-I-S B-E-E-T-S um, for Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We don't really use Twitter, so don't judge us on the Twitter account. Is totally. <laughs> that probably last thing we posted? There was a Dago Vegan Festival. And that's all my fault. So I'm sorry for that, but um, yeah, we're on all those platforms. <laughs> but if you really want to stay up to date, our Instagram is our most up to date platform. Facebook does okay, but Instagram is really where we mark ourselves. So feel free to follow us there.
1: All right. Well hey, we appreciate you so much for, for jumping on. Dope episode. I mean not only did I learn so much about your business and Jules and I, we're definitely gonna have to take a stop over and, and meet you and 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 and, and uh, give you some support. But some of the talking points that you had around our community and just some of our thought process on our finances and the opportunity cost of our kids basically eating these horrible foods now and the bills that are going to come medically later. I think mm-hmm. there were so many things that you brought up in this episode that I thought was powerful. And I thank you so much for taking the time to share that knowledge with our audience today.
2: Well, I really appreciate it. I'm really passionate about it. I'm, I'm just happy to be able to be of service. Truly. So thank you again so much for having me. And you guys have a beautiful rest of your day. Enjoy this little weather we got. We got a summer shy.
1: Right, (laughs) right. Enjoy,
2: (laughs) enjoy.
0: Thank you so much for coming on. Jules, gonna hit with that curtain call, bruh. All right, this curtain call goes out to YWCA Metropolitan Chicago. YWCA Metropolitan Chicago is the oldest women-focused social service organization in Chicago. Founded in 1876 to address concerns over employment opportunities for women, it has grown to touch the lives of more than 150,000 women and children in neighborhoods all across the Chicagoland area. Over the years, YWCA has advanced women's empowerment by offering a variety of programs for job training, career planning, career advancement, violence prevention, financial sustainability, and access acquisitions. But through it all, the core is their dedication to promote racial justice and personal empowerment in everything they do. Present I and Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast family, I'd like to thank you and appreciate all your hard work.
1: Jules, thanks for that curtain call. As always, you can find this podcast on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and Deezer. We appreciate your continued support of this show. Without you, we wouldn't be. We're the Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast. Thanks for listening. Hey...